when Jenna was about three years old, she went into um, she went to the living room and she was scurrying around. We could see her scurrying around. Elizabeth and I were in the kitchen, and all of a sudden, we heard from our three-year-old, "Where's my friggin' Barbie?" Oh, yes. And then Elizabeth and I looked at each other because that had become a nice word in true context that uh, I at least knew I could admit to using. And I think you know the particular word. And then, of course, Elizabeth uh, was not unscathed by that as well. And we kind of looked at each other as a three-year-old just repeated what she heard her dad and mom say at different parts of life. I probably used it a lot while I was driving, uh, appropriately describing other people's driving habits and what they had problems with. But we noticed at that point, you know what, we have someone that pays attention to what we say and also what we do, right? And just to show you that I am still in a good sin pattern in my life as your pastor. Last night, I decided that we would take a break with the boys, and so Elizabeth and and Jenna were at some cotillion where they're learning to dance and all that stuff that's good, I'm sure. So me and the boys had to watch the Razorback game together. You notice how I said had to watch it together. And I decided that the best thing for us to do was take a break uh, right before halftime and go to Subway and kind of, you know, gather our senses and eat and feel better. And so as we're eating, Brock asked this question. He's the third grader. He asked this question, Dad, I'm kind of hoping that the Razorbacks are going to uh, do better the second half. Me too, son. Me too. Do you think they are, Dad? I don't know. I, You know, Dad, I sure hope so because... I really don't want to hear you yelling at the TV anymore. Okay. I was just telling the referees what they needed to do. I'm pretty sure that I had several choice words that I described, not in a bad adjective, but I did talk to our um, receivers, most of them, very bluntly from my seat as I was there. And somebody was watching me the whole time, right? And so we know that there is imitation that we try to do in our life. And then there's imitation that we are providing for others in our life. So if you have your Bibles, uh, this is uh, where we'll start off. I gave you several verses in there. This is from 1 Corinthians 11.1. And it says, you and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. So that's going to be kind of the theme for us uh, for the next several weeks as we look at Father like Son. And it's going to look at how we imitate Christ, how we imitate what He does, and how that should be a part of our life. Now, there's three distinct meanings when you look at the word imitation or imitate. And some of this is a little bit secular, but then I'll bring it back into some spiritual context because that's why we're here. If we can't use what the Bible says to affect our lives and our families and where we are today, then what use is it, right? So when we look at this word imitation, I want you to get this context of what it really means. Imitation, an artificial likeness unfeigned. What is unfeigned? I know I kind of wanted to use a big word to make y'all 
Think, now that I'm wearing glasses, I feel like I can do that. You can bring out big words. You guys get impressed. Hopefully that makes an impression on the elders. And they say, gosh, that guy, he is really doing his study. Well, I just thought it was a pretty neat thing to look and see what this meant because I looked it up and it was unfeigned. What is unfeigned? Listen to this. No effort is made to deceive others as to its being genuine, just as artificial flowers, sweeteners, or lighting. In other words, you can go out to the front of our church and you can see where the crosses are and Carrie, one of our uh, awesome staff members, comes up and waters those flowers all the time and they look great. Unless she's gone and then we miss the watering and then they don't look so great. And then if you look around in some of our places in the church, you see these incredible looking plants that are sort of missing things um, because they've been broken over the last few years here in the church because we use it for a lot of things. And those are imitation. And we're not really trying to pull anything on you at all. Those are actually imitation. I notice um, because every once in a while uh, I have to go restock the ladies' bathroom that you guys have some beautiful imitation plants in there. The guys' bathroom, not so much. We just have some soap and lots of paper to use for our hands, all right? Then there's what I call the artificial sweetener. There's no, there's no way to get around this, that it is artificial sweetener that we are trying to make taste like sugar to help us do something. And then now that causes memory loss and all kinds of other things. And by the way, if my wife ever uses that artificial stuff, she gets a headache. So don't ever offer that to us. We don't use the real stuff, especially if you're doing sweet tea. That's just a plug for sweet tea. Anytime you want to make that for me, we're on. Artificial, you know it's artificial. I know it's artificial, right? We understand that that's what it is. There's no two ways about it. In fact, in the, the affairs of commerce and marketing, those types of artificial things are actually accepted and even appreciated. I mean, here it is. It's artificial. This is what it is. Boom. You got it. Unfortunately, that's not the case when we look at Scripture. There's some references to that. So, in 3 John, we find that. I wrote to the church about this, but Diophanes, who loves to be the leader, refuses to have anything to do with us. When I come, I will report some of the things he is doing and the evil accusations he is making against us. Not only does he refuse to welcome the traveling teachers, he also tells others not to help them, and when they do help, he puts them out of the church. He is a reflection of something that isn't even trying to be genuine. He's not even trying to fake it. It just is what it is. Here's your fake flower, here's your sweet and low. It's not the real thing, but here's who I am. And so John calls him out in the scripture, and he says, this guy's fake, he, he's deceiving, he's trying to tell you something, and by the way, he's not even trying to cover it up. Not even working at covering it up. The artificial likeness unfeigned. Then there's the artificial likeness feigned, and so let's give you a definition of that. A concerted effort is made to deceive others into thinking it's genuine, such as counterfeit money, jewelry, watches. When I went to New York, there was a certain place that you could go, and if you stepped into the correct corner or van, in this case, I know, I, whatever, 
you could get a pretty good replica of a certain watch or piece of jewelry that you would like. So I want y'all to know that I am a proud owner of a Rolexi watch of some sort. And it actually says Rolex at some point. In fact, I think that might be the only thing that might be real on it. It says Rolex. And it looks awesome. And it was a certain kind. I think it was called the Americana. It's been many years ago, even though I still have it in a place of prominence in my house. I'm not sure it ever worked. I, I don't remember. I remember kind of wearing it to one function that I thought would be appropriate because of the people that would be there. Um, and yet I took it off, put it in my pocket because I, the, it wasn't working. And I thought that people might catch on to that. But it's a replica. It was not the real thing. But they wanted me to think it was a real thing. And I want you to think it's the real thing. You know what I'm saying? Their desire is that it would be like the real thing. In fact, in the biblical example, we find that the spies are sent by the scribes and the chief priest in an effort to entrap Jesus. Let me give you that context. It's out of Luke 19. And the chief priests and the scribes that very hour sought to lay hands on him, but they feared for the people. For they knew he had spoken in the parable against them, so they watched him. And they sent spies to pretend to be righteous. Then they might seize his words in order to deliver him to the power and the authority of the governor. Then they asked, saying, Teacher, we know that you say you teach rightly, and yet you do not show personal favoritism. But teach the way God in truth. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Then he perceived, listen to this. Then he perceived their craftiness. And he said to them, why do you test me? Show me a denarii. Whose image and inscription does it have? They answered and said, Caesar's. And he said to them, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar and to God the things that are God. And then that last part says this, but they could not catch him in his words and in the presence of the people and they were marveled at his answer and they kept silent. Probably the greatest example that you and I have of this counterfeit of, of someone who pretended was Judas. And here's what we find with Judas, and this is out of John 6, 70 and 71. I think I put it in your scripture for you. Or John 6, 68 is the beginning part. Simon Peter's statement said this, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Judas had fooled Peter, and he was believing that he was devout in his faith, just like the other disciples. Jesus was prompt to inform Peter and the other disciples that Judas was a counterfeit. In fact, he even said he was more than a counterfeit. Jesus answered them in, in 70 and 71. He said this, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and the one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it is he who will betray me, being one of the twelve. 
That would be described as a hypocrite. One who says, one who is trying to deceive, one who is playing the part. Here's a real watch. Oh, this is a real bill. Oh, I'm really a follower of Christ. And yet it's a form of imitation. And then the last one we have here, out of Ephesians 1. It's a great verse. Let me read it for you. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Imitate God. One version says, therefore, be imitators of God as his beloved children. When I was, I don't know, I was probably five or six, if I remember right. <clears throat> and I had two big brothers, one, one big sister. So like the age gap was incredible. I really feel sorry for my mom thinking about it. My sister was like 12 when my mom brought me home from the hospital. And then my, bro- my next brother's 10 years older, and then the next one's six years older. So there's kind of a little gap. I was special, thank you. I was the blessing and an accident, according to what I've heard. So <clears throat> the concept was I have these older brothers. And I'm watching it now with Brock and kind of his big brother Jay. And I'm watching Brock and how he likes to be a part of and play. And he thinks that all Jay's friends are his friends. Like he can just walk about being and hanging out as a third grader with the seventh grade dudes. And even kind of talks like them and everything else. And then all of a sudden it's on. You know, they're playing sports or something else. And then he kind of gets hurt. And it's like, oh, I'm a third grader instead of, you know being what he really is, trying to be cool, right? Well, I remember my, my oldest brother, uh, I called him Bubba. If you want to be all detailed, his name was Manly, Manly Jr., named after my father. And I wanted to be like Bubba. Whatever Bubba did, I did. I tried to imitate him on everything, and I remember uh, my mom kind of calling me out on this one time. She's going like, why are you walking like that? I said, like what? And my brother is pigeon-toed. <coughs> I don't think I was pigeon-toed before, but I wanted to walk so much like him that I had that, I just had the thing going with my, I just started walking like him. And I have a feeling that I still do that, and it's not on purpose, but I think I tried to do it so much that I actually started walking pigeon-toed. Now, my mom kind of says, you really were trying to do that. There were other things that I tried to imitate him by, but I know that I was doing that for sure because I can remember, like, man, I want to walk like him. I want to do what he does. And then there was this time I remember, uh, and, and, my, and, and actually Jay caught me on this one. He was watching me shave one time, and when I was shaving, uh, he noticed, he goes, Dad, why do, you, why do you make noises and talk to yourself? Come on. I don't know. What are you talking about? And then I kind of asked Elizabeth about that, and she goes, oh, yeah, you do that all the time. It's like, what, what do you mean, what am I doing? So I... I remember now what it was, is I used to watch my dad. And when he would shave, he would get to a certain place and he'd go, "Uh uh-huh, mm-hmm, yep. Didn't know I did it, but I can remember watching him time and time again. And then guess what I did when I got a certain age? I, I really, you know, I really don't 
vividly go like, oh, yes, I remember doing that. It was when my son watched me and he goes, Dad, why do you talk to yourself? And do you realize some of those things that you do like your dad or your you know, mom or, or, you know, go in your room and do not come out until I tell you. What if you forget? You know, some of those little things that you say just like your parents, you know? Mine was, <laughs> mine was the, the, I'd get in trouble if I, this ever happened. It never has. It never will. But my mom used to say, if I catch you, I'm going to beat you black and blue till you're unrecognizable. Y'all didn't get any of that one? Wow. Okay. We find ourselves imitating and being like the people we want to be like. And sometimes, by the way, that's not even good, is it? Remember that old saying, hey, you, you kind of, you kind of be like who, who, who you hang out with. You want to hang out with the dogs, you're going to be like a dog. You know, my parents used to always say that about my friends. What? They're, Dad, they're good. No, listen to me. So what is that? The last one here is this. Following after a pattern. Write this down. Following after a pattern, a model, or example with the intent to copy or strive to copy. Following after a pattern, a model, or an example with the intent to copy or strive to copy. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. None of this is in your notes, so I want you to write this down because the good news is I'm way ahead of time. So here you go. Number one, if we try to imitate God, we will strive to live a holy life. Life. If we try to imitate God, we will strive to live a holy life. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct because it is written, Be holy for I am what? Holy. What do we strive for? To be like God. Well, Jonathan, it's obvious that, that I'm not going to be holy. Hey, I know that and you know that. But what do we strive for? I strive to have a perfect day every day. I strive to, I strive to be patient every day with my wife and my kids and the lady at McDonald's. I strive, I strive to be humble. I strive to do what the Bible says as the fruit of the Spirit with gentleness. And loving kindness. Do I achieve that? I know, and actually many of you know that. But there are times when that is achieved. And there are times when the Christ-likeness is revealed. Because it's more of Him in me and through me. Than me or this world. What does the Bible tell us? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in what? The world. Do we believe that? Do we believe that greater is he that is in me? Greater is his spirit that is in me than what's in this world? I think we... We want to believe it, but if we want to believe it, 
wouldn't we imitate that? Wouldn't that be part of what we are and who we are and part of our desire? Or are we just kind of imitating? I would like it to be that way. And the second one's this. We will evidence love towards others. 1 John 4, 16, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and He abides in love, and He abides in God, and God in Him. And then just for an extra one, John three sixteen for says what? For God so loved what? The world. The greatest of these is what? Love. Hey, let's, let's just go door to door and tell everybody, hey, you guys, hell's hot and you're headed there. Uh, can I help you? Or we can do as Jesus did and obviously tell them the truth. But we tell them in what? Love. And we show them in what? Love. And we show each other as the body of Christ in what? Love. Hey, there are some of you in here that y'all don't even get along. That's why y'all sit over here and you guys sit over here. Not pointing anybody out this morning. Some of you don't even like each other. And you don't get along. But through Christ and through Him in you, He says that we can love each other. That we can be diverse. We can have our own opinions. We can kind of be different. And yet we can be brothers and sisters in Christ, and even have unity in the church. The third one, he says this out of Psalms 86, 15, we will be compassionate in regards to others, but you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. By the way, great promise to us. Lord, you are full of compassion. You're gracious, you're long-suffering, and you're abundant in mercy and in truth. We will be compassionate to others. The fourth one. We will be forgiving in our nature. Again, who are we imitating? God the Father, God the Son. We will be forgiving in our nature. Are you having a problem forgiving someone this morning? You have, you have a problem forgiving family member? You have a problem forgiving the boss? You have a problem forgiving someone this morning? Then, then you need to check your relationship here with God, right? That we understand that if this is correct, according to John 15, and we're abiding in him, then this is going to be correct. And he says that we need to have this Forgiving nature. Psalms 86 5 says this For you, Lord, for you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive, abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. That's what he gives us. And so, just the picture of a while ago, a little boy with his little lawnmower trying to follow Christ trying to follow his dad. And did you notice a couple things about that video? Did you notice how he'd get to a certain point and what did he want to do? He wanted to put his little mower aside and he wanted to go grab daddy's, didn't he? Right? 
You try to do that with God? You and I try to, we, we try to back, you know, kind of, hey, we, Lord, I think we got this. Give me the big more. Are you this morning, are you this morning being a true imitator of Jesus? Is it, is it counterfeit? Is it, is it real? Or do you even care if it is? Will you pray with me, please, Father? This morning, for most of us, Lord, I, I think we believe in you. We know you're up there. God, we know you want to do something in our life, but Lord, to follow you for some of us means, God, a bunch of do's and don'ts. To, to follow you, God, scares some of us because we think we're going to end up in, in some foreign land being a missionary. God, to, to, to imitate you and to, and to follow you, for many of us, Lord, means that we, we change some of the, maybe some of the habits that we have in, in, our, in our family and, and in our life. And God, um, because of this incredible country that we live in and the freedoms that we have, Lord, to follow you doesn't seem like much of a cost. To, to be, to be uh, God, a, a follower of your son Jesus here in America seems to be we can, we, can, we can go to church and we can be part of a Bible study. And, and Lord, really, there's... There's nothing more than a discipline of, of being committed to doing that. And yet, God, if we look at your scripture and we say that we'll follow you, it seems that, God, you're asking for every bit of our life. You're asking us to, to surrender every, every corner of our life to you. So God, just in the next few moments of, um, of us singing a song to you, may we reflect on, on our commitment to you. May we reflect on if we're truly being an imitator to you, to our family, to um, people in our workplace. God, are we truly being an imitator of you to our neighbors? And Lord, would you convict us uh, where we need convicting? And would you show us and reveal that to us? And Lord, may we be made right with you by asking, Lord, for your forgiveness and, and asking, Lord, for that love that you said that you give us and the mercy and the grace that's, that's given to us according to your scripture in abundance. And we desire that this morning.